Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Welcome, everybody, to our next field trip. It's actually going to be our last field trip for the year here in 2022. We are bringing back Trevor Archuleta again to go ahead and run us through a game session of Veil of the Void Reforged. I finally have been practicing saying that right because all those vowels in there can trip me up after a while. But Veil of the Void Reforged. Yes, it's a good one. Yeah, Trevor, welcome back to Tabletop Journeys. Glad that we could finally make the schedules work out to go ahead and make this happen. Yes, I'm excited. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Yeah. You gave us some pre-generated characters. Let's the three of us say who we're playing in rough in rough terms and then we'll turn it over okay. to you, Trevor, and you can go through I know we want to make sure that they like you have fantastic kind of like pre-generated character generation, which made things very easy and very nice. Let's go over like, the rest of the way that's formulated out, make sure we cover everything, and then and then we'll dive into the scenario here. Okay, Glenn, perfect. why don't you start us off today? Who are you gonna be playing today? <laughs> Greetings. I am unit designation MED37491, also known as Stitches. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Brilliant. Personal uh, anecdote. My spouse unit and I have recently begun construction of an offspring, and I am practicing my dad jokes. So whether it's through my medical treatment or... My comical expertise, I am guaranteed to leave you in stitches. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love this already. 100%. Now, how am I supposed to follow that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, my I know. goodness. I don't know. It's a difficult one to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Give it your best shot there, Luke. This is going to be amazing. All right. I, I am Arturos Ilio. There are three rules of smuggling. One, no kids. Two, no drugs. Three, no true believers. Always remember, never break your number one rule. Always charge double if you have to break your number two rule and collect half up front. Finally, collect triple pay and everything up front for the true believers. They don't last long in the void. Amazing. That's fabulous. I love the depth that you give to that character kind of like right up front too. That's like my favorite part of whenever you build characters is the depth that you go into. Yep. So I I have the makings of a voice, but I have not quite finalized it yet. So I'm still kind of thinking through. But basically the long and the short of it is that I am playing a Thaumatech. I am playing Groskos of the Omrion. He is a Corian, a fire Corian which I thought worked really well with kind of the Thaumatech. I'm thinking like a mm-hmm. battlefield mm-hmm. engineer kind of type thing. It's probably how Luanika and my characters know each other. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, you need a what? That does what? All right, give me a minute. So, yes. yeah, kind of like oh. battlefield forge engineer. So, 
Give me your name again, please. Sure. Just call him Gross Coast. G-R-O-S-K-O-S. Coast. You would have yes. said, yeah. His full name is Gross Coast of the Onryan. Like that's just like his family rune name is the Onryan, but cool. Let's go ahead and, and carry on here. So Trevor, those are the characters that we're gonna be playing today. Why awesome. don't you walk us through kind of the details of, of what we need to make sure we check off for character generation and then we can get into the game proper itself. Yeah, perfect. Thankfully, Veil the Voids chapter one gives you basically everything you need to make a character and it's pretty simple just as long as you guys picked your species which it seems like you did you'll want to yes you guys were using the pre-generated character sheets correct correct absolutely yes. okay thank Thanks you very much for ones. providing those there they yeah. were a great help yeah yeah it took me quite a bit of time to create those because i wanted to make sure that everybody could still have full customization of their characters just make it easier so when you pick your class that's just what you go with <laughs> to make it a little bit more simplistic but yeah basically if you're using the pre-generated all you really had to do was worry about your species itself you just want to make sure that you transfer over all of your traits adding any bonus levels that you to skill points that you may get from those species and then of course you want to do one of the most important parts of the species choice which is actually choosing your ancestral path as everybody gets a unique ancestral path that you're going to choose one usually the ancestral path also comes with a bonus virtue point that you can add to whatever to the virtue that it adds to and then if again from the ancestral path you got any species like bonus levels to anything you want to make sure you add that to the book as well or to your character sheet as well but since we're using the preaching character sheets thankfully it's just the species that you have to worry about also any extra expertise if you get any from your thing but other than that as long as you looked at your traits and chose your ancestral path, you should be good to go with the character. Yep. Okay. Thankfully. I actually have one thing left in choosing mm -hmm. prototype because okay. of my species to discuss with you, which is that I start with a cybernetic implant. Yes, that you do. Of so, up to 10K. Yeah. So... Is there anything in, that you specifically have in mind for what you would like for your character? I know some people, for instance, have done extendable arms so that they get like an extra square of reach or extendable legs. They can jump higher or they can add something that they put into their eyes that give them better clarification when they're looking for stuff or performing attacks. So uh, your examples anything? in the book, I think, because I was reading through these right before I asked, mm -hmm. digging the concept of the autocorrector, particularly since part of my healing ability is through hitting mm -hmm. the bad guys. The autocorrector is a VI implant into an yes. eyeglass scanner or straight into my eyeball. Yes. It allows me to reroll one failed die when attacking. Once per okay. Yeah. If you would like that is under 10,000. So that's perfectly fine. Perfect. Didn't know if you wanted something custom or if you just wanted to go. I haven't come up with anything stuff. custom, which is why I was looking at these for ideas. And I'm like, yeah, that just makes sense. Because I'm fair. a combat medic. So for my, basically, I chose the upgraded hardware option also mm -hmm. for the extra vitality and energy shield. I'm a combat unit. So it's got to be oh, tough. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, because if you, you didn't want if you didn't want that, you could also gone with the cybernetic that, for instance, has since you are a medic, you could have stored medical shots within you or something that replenish over time, things like that. So there's there's really no limit since it is based on what we want to make. But if you just want to go with the one failed die when attacking once per round, that's also a very good choice. So if we were doing more than a one shot, I would definitely that's go true. through the effort of working out <laughs> custom with you. Since we're not, true, I'm going with the true. auto corrector. All right, perfect. 
<laughs> yeah, the prototype are fantastic because they're a robotic species, so they get to upgrade themselves. <laughs> That's fantastic. They get to cheat the system. No, as soon as I read them, and I liked them when I read them the first time when we did the interview, but that was quite a while ago. So there was some refresh going on last night and today. And as soon as I read them, I'm like, that's the one. That's the one I want to be. Yeah, they're really fun. There's not many games that have a robotic species, like a pure robot species. So I definitely had to make one. Yep. Nice. I like that prototypes can be both techno-organic or just fully techno- technological so that you have some options as though. Nice. So hopefully the character creation process with the pregen was pretty simplistic. Yeah. So I actually did have one question also. So again, playing oh, yeah. uh, playing basically a magic user, right? Yeah. When at character generation, I was able to select spells, right? Ten spells total, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eight novice spells, and two adept spells in the list. So the question yes. that I had there is that it seemed to skip over the apprentice level spells, and I wasn't sure how... It should be just the apprentice level. I'm sorry. If it says adept, okay. that would be incorrect. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I, need, right. I need to go through and edit that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to need a minute then because uh, as much as I would love to go ahead and have meteor strike, I think that if that is a level spell, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, a little powerful. It's a little powerful. <laughs> I thought that too, but I was like, well, if that's what he's going to let me have. Then I'm going to take it. Yeah, so it should be apprentice. Adept is at level ten. So yeah, yeah. I think that, that sounds like a fantastic idea to not have, as I'm confident you would cause injury to myself and our other companion were you to cast such a powerful spell. No, it's perfectly fine. What hitting someone with the entire force of a meteor, right, with a melee strike? I'm sure that's it. That's yeah. okay. Especially, and just as I'm flipping through the book here to go ahead and get back to the spells listings. So the reason mm-hmm. why I took me- took power strike is because power strike is a mentality based power. Meteor strike rather is mentality based. And when I chose a Corian, one of the options was that I got to choose between an additional plus one to my powers, mm-hmm. one pl- plus one to my mentality. As and I already had six in my mentality, so naturally I would take the plus one in mentality to go seven. Yeah. Uh, which meant yeah, that true. Meteor Strike would perform a significant... It's not so much even so much that that, that it would perform a significant amount of damage, but it's more that I can, when when they get hit with it, they get launched seven squares away from me, which... Uh, yes, it's pretty yeah, good. That's actually, which I was like, I will take pretty much every spell that is mentality-based, actually. That is well, exactly what I will do, since that is, yeah. And what's fun is, when you're looking at Meteor Strike here, so all you get to choose what spellcasting you use from either mentality, judgment, or power. So... Most of the, I think it's only like occasionally that you ever add like <laughs> plus mentality to something, but yeah, yeah. I, that makes sense with the launching someone backwards yeah. based on your mentality. So it's yeah. a good well, choice. And the th- the Thumbtack said that their primary spellcasting is a mentality, so their primary yes. spellcasting is a mentality. So that was so I basically pumped that as far as I could. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> total sense because mentality for Thumbtack is pretty important. Yeah. Right. Mentality in general is a pretty pretty useful thing to have. I say as I'm currently playing in my co-author's Norse-themed campaign for Veil of the mm-hmm. Void, and my I'm playing an Etten who has two mentality, which is just nice. great. Because <laughs> ah, I... Mentality is highly overrated. It is. I try to look for anything, and my character's just like, I'm rolling with two dice. I'm not going to see anything. <laughs> as long as you've got fin- finesse and charm, oh, yeah. the rest will be well, okay. Great. We are in a room. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this floor is made of floor. Yes. No, yeah, Etna, great. It's that in a healthy dose. That in a healthy dose of I always shoot yes. first. Yeah, <laughs> Etna are great though because they get plus one to their power and plus one to their vitality. They just get minus one to their mentality and minus one to their charm. And so my character 
has two charm and two mentality. So he tells you straight up everything he thinks about you and doesn't think about anything before he does stuff. But he does have decent enough judgment <laughs> where he doesn't do stupid stuff all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah. All right. Then I will instead, let's see, I will trade out Earth Gauntlets then and take Call of the Sandworm because that just sounds fun. Oh, f- uh, wonderful. I love Call of the Sandworm. That's a really, that's a really fun, that's a really fun one. And I will take, let's see, if I can't take Meteor Strike, then I will take Channeled Inferno. Okay. That's also a really good one. Yeah. Like meteor strike, but a little bit less. <laughs> it's a little bit less, but it does inflict, I think, like burning and stuff too, which is conditions uh, are really strong in this game. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot, and he does. Gross Coast does a lot of conditions. That's also where his uh, where his specialty is. So it's a lot of. That's perfect. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> conditions are conditions in Veil of the Void are particularly a bit more nasty than some other games. Yeah, yeah. which they should be. <laughs> exactly. Conditions should be scary. It's a, yeah. Yes, conditions uh, should be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've got my actual scratch notepad, and I have it. Uh, I have it all set, so I am now ready to run. Wonderful. Rock. All right. Yeah, the character sheets are. I'm really proud of the character sheets. <laughs> as far as uh, the I, design I, I goes. love it. It's really well done. Yeah, it took a while to because I'm dyslexic, so I took a lot of work to make sure that it was easier to read. Is also for people with dyslexia as easy to read as possible. All right, Trevor, go ahead. Let's get into the adventure for today. Okay, perfect. I do. I, as I was saying, I have a very fun one kind of set up for us. So to set the, the basic starter scene here, you three are a hired kind of secretive mercenary group on a hush mission. As recently, a large electromagnetic pulse was seen throughout, well, was felt throughout the entirety of the galaxy of Riyakhtan, something that doesn't happen that often. There are multiple like electromagnetic pulses that kind of happen from now and then from like starships or not from starships exploding or different suns collapsing in on themselves things like that like the standard kind of space waves and such but nothing that's ever felt on an entire galactic scale a the star council which are the main leaders of the galaxy each species has their own little controlled sector of space and but the star council is like the main area where each species has a few representatives to give input on the laws and everything throughout a standardized space the star council themselves have reached out um most likely to Booth first, as Booth is quite the one for information. And so they reached out to gather a small, a very, about 20 groups together to go explore this area where this electromagnetic pulse was detected, which upon giving you a bit more information about it, it does appear that a large tear into the veil has been produced, something that's not often seen. There's minor tears that happen through warping and casters and stuff like that, but never something on such a massive scale to the point where, even more concerning, the veil itself is actually still open, piercing into space itself on the edge of what's known as the Shadow Scar, which is where roughly about 4,000 years ago, the Shadow Realm pour into this realm, completely annihilating and wiping out roughly about a billion lives or so over the course of several different planets that were just consumed. And now, as the drones were sent in, it does appear the station, a very old station that was heavily popularized. It looks like 
when that rift occurred into the shadow realm it does appear that the station itself has reappeared and uh, this station was the one that disappeared roughly four thousand years ago it people thought it was gone like most other places were when the shadow realm tore into this one originally so now it's concerning we don't want another incident of the shadow scar to happen so they're pretty quick this time to respond to try to figure out what's going on hence where what where you guys come in yeah and i think that it makes sense to go ahead and have booth be the one to put these together yeah. he's the ones with all the contacts we yep. all know each other from like previous military service and so i can mm-hmm. totally understand how how it'd be we probably have worked together even outside of the military because I know Booth, sure. you were saying you've been out for a while. Obviously, Stitches, you've been doing your own thing. The wife is new. I have also been out of the military service for a number of years. Booth has been out of military service for about 25 years and has been out of contact with everyone. Hasn't done a job or isn't known to have done a job or been on any missions in the last decade. Yeah. Surprised to hear from you. I did not expect you to go ahead and call my number and let me know you get work. I hadn't heard from you in a while. The job called for some specific talents. You were the first on my list that <laughs> I didn't owe money to. That's a joke. I never owe anybody you know, money. Which reminds me. It's been a while. You still have not paid. I don't know why he switched from Scottish to French, but whatever. He became uh, French. He see, <laughs> he's it's super, okay for him to wait, be wait. multinational. Yeah. He, Uh, so you don't owe me money now since when i've never owed you i've never owed you money i bring you jobs that doesn't mean you don't owe me money (laughs) stepping in through a side door he simply forgets who he owes money to finds it fairly convenient i never forget a debt i simply don't owe them and if I hire you for a two million credit job, I'm pretty confident that anything that may have been owed in the past will easily be forgiven. That's I, fair. I, I think we can arrange a payoff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand. And if this doesn't work out, we can always try to make lemonade from lemons. Do you know why the farmer whose crops were affected by blight went into the recording industry? I have a feeling you'll tell me because he had a bunch of sick beats. Oh my gosh. I love these. <laughs> At any rate, I am confident that we're going to need your engineering skills. <laughs> and and I'm going to need a medic for the headache that, that Stitch is giving me. That's a job so Well, as I always say, <laughs> either my cures or my humor will leave you in Stitches. <laughs> I love this. So, perfect. So as we're doing to set the opening scene, we're currently warping through our system in a very nice starship. And when I say nice, Booth, as a smuggler, this is a nice starship. High tech, something that you've never seen. This is a, it has to be like a new prototype, something that the Star Council has been keeping to themselves. Two million credit starship? No, probably roughly more around probably 150 million. So I can get a down payment on yes. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a much nicer ride than you secured on our last mission together. It was a piece of shit. <laughs> this one does not have duct tape on the walls. <laughs> 
to be fair, that duct tape kept us from the vacuum. I wouldn't complain too much about oh, that. No complaint. It got us we are all alive. still. We are all still alive. Simply <laughs> stating, this trip should be much more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, cruiser itself, it's a fairly small frigate. Most frigates can hold roughly about 15, 20 crew members. This one looks like it would be more roughly built for five or seven. So it is fairly small in size, but it looks like it definitely could pack a punch, as well as one thing you guys have noticed, especially as an engineer, Garascos, because you were an engineer, right? I was, yep, exactly. Yes, he's, okay. he is, he's a flame corian, so yeah, he's yeah. used to like forging things out of material mm-hmm. and, hey, we need a door and we need a wall there. Oh, wall. Yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. Perfect. Makes total sense. So one thing you did notice is this area doesn't really have an engineering bay. It has a, what you notice is a fairly compact warp drive to the where the point it's roughly the size of a arm. So it's not actually that large considering most warp drives are fairly massive. So this definitely, yeah. (laughs) It's the size of one of my arms. (laughs) One of the, the I've got more arms than this ship's got. Yes. And also on top of that, you can notice that it also is using a different crystal than normal with warp drives. You're used to them using a ordic crystal as they're the safest for and most common for travel. But this one seems to be using what you can determine both as an engineer and as a magic user. This is what is a presence crystal, which are some of the most rare crystals to find as presence doesn't normally develop crystals in our central realm. So yeah, this... What the? What the? It's. Yeah, this is a very interesting starship. So I just. It's a very interesting starship. (laughs) Took the words out of my mouth, storyteller. Wow. Roscos is impressed by the technology. This must truly be a nice ride. Yes. I'm impressed as well, but I'm impressed more by its applications. If you can get a warp drive into an object that small, that means it can be placed into a gun. That is concerning. (laughs) Uh, The immediate GM concern. But yes, so now that we have the scene of what we're in, if you guys would like to introduce your characters for those listening, just so they know who you are, they've gotten a little bit of your personalities, but if we can get a little bit more of who you are as far as design and stuff. Absolutely. So after making Glenn go first last time, I'll jump on first. I am Groskos of the family, the Onrayan. I am a Korean, a fire Korean. I'm a little, a little hot under the collar, so to speak. And I am a Thaumatech. And so again, ba- battlefield engineer. I'm used to Booth coming up to me with really weird requests for things that aren't supposed to work the way he wants them to and having to do it anyway. That's... <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Smugglers. I am Arturos Elio Booth. I am a purveyor of information, a courier of goods, and I get paid for all of the above. And there are three rules of smuggling that I abide by. One, no kids. Two, no drugs. Three, no true believers. Remember, I never break rule number one. I always charge double and collect half up front for rule number two. And finally, I collect triple pay and up front for any true believers. They don't last long against the void. (laughs) I am dressed in all gray. I'm former military. It's a similar style outfit, but it is not my old red 
Eliana uniform, which my companions had previously seen me in when they last saw me years ago. And I wear a black armband against my dark drab gray clothing. I, I always carry my weapons. I have holsters. Rarely are they, are my weapons buckled or buttoned. I'm usually at the ready. At the ready. That's the best way to be, especially in your line of work. <laughs> exactly. And then finally. And olive green army drab android shaped humanoid steps forward into the spotlight. He uh, does have camouflage painted over his exterior, but while in former military service with the two of you, you had seen him basically go unclothed and just use his camouflage. Now, as a civilian, he is wearing a bright orange and red Hawaiian shirt and some khaki shorts. (laughs) Sandals with socks. Absolutely some sandals with socks. Thank you. Oh, of course. Uh, And uh, his meta rifle slung over his back and he says greetings i am unit med 79491 also known as stitches i am a combat medical unit who has seen many tours of duty and has known both Graskos and booth for a number of years some might say too many personal anecdote my spousal unit and i are about to construct a BB-1 unit. That's simply a temporary moniker until after they are constructed. But do you know what prototype offspring call their parental units? No. I'm sure you're going to tell us. Data. <laughs> the dad jokes really need some work there, lad, but we'll get you. We'll work on it. Don't worry. Wait, 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 I wait, have wait, many wait. more if that one was not to your satisfaction, Groskos. How about... What brand of underwear do scientists wear? <laughs> oh, Kelvin no. Klein. Oh, I love that one. I'm going to have to keep that one for... <laughs> that one's going to my repertoire of dad jokes. <laughs> you are absolutely correct, Stitches. It has been too many years. Oh, my gosh. I love that one. <laughs> yes, either through my combat prowess medical training, or my incredible sense of humor, I will leave you in stitches. You're not wrong. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Fantastic. Thank you for your introductions. So yes, we're roughly about 10 minutes away from our destination to give a little idea of what the warp looks like. Basically, if you can imagine going upstream underwater. That's what it looks like. The warp travel goes through the veil itself, riding the line between two different dimensions. And you see what looks like a stream of whites and blues and multicolors just jumping against the window as it rushes past. Now, as you guys... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Looks like a tarlet. Yes. (laughs) Had to make Uh, around, yes. That's fair. As you guys are as you guys are traveling through this system, now it does look like so you you do have a data pad that's giving you a little bit more information. They didn't give you too much outside of uh, what I told you to begin with the strange pulse that was seen and the concerns about potentially another shadow scar incident happening, which is why they hired you for your expertise in these fields. But outside of that, Eli, which is the artificial intelligence built into the into the starship itself, lets you know that you all here will be sent on a search and recovery mission. There were three scientists and two 
combat personnel that were sent as a first contact team to explore and study the starship itself. Unfortunately, roughly three hours ago, we lost contact with this team. We are requesting that, if at all possible, if the unit is still alive, to retrieve them. However, if the units have expired, it would be best if you could at least gather the information that they were sent to discover, as shortly before we lost contact, they said they discovered something big. So, let me get this straight. A space station that disappeared 4,000 years ago has reappeared, and a ship sent in to investigate that disappeared three hours ago. Yes, technically. The Starship crew was exploring the space station itself, and right after they sent us the notification saying that they located something large and important, they lost contact. That's we'll have to forgive Groskos. His processing power sometimes is not enough to take in the information on the first pass, so he has to repeat it back. This the, is okay. The scientists that were lost, in your last communications, what kind of description did they give of the environment and conditions they were dealing with and what we may expect when we arrive? Thankfully, they reported several abnormalities that we have now accounted for. One, it does appear that the main area zone that they are located within is controlled and produced by the Shadow Realm. Therefore, the ship that you are currently traveling on has been heavily equipped with Shadow Repulsors, which should give you enough time to land, dock, and escape any starship that is controlled inside this weird fluctuation. Second, it does look, due to the reports, that the station itself appears to be in preserved station. It does not seem to be heavily damaged, and the, li the life support is still currently active on the star station itself. Preliminary scans have also determined that there is an energy field and source inside the station, which is concerning and strange, as it has been gone for 4,000 years. We're... Is, was the missing team on board the station or in their own ship when you lost contact? Yes, they were aboard the star station itself. They were in exploration and had not reported any strange occurrences until, of course, we lost communications. Their last known location was was in the was in the command console. We can get you to docking bay fifteen. Sounds simple enough. In theory, yes. Eli, please uh, download map schematics to all possible escape routes between Docking Bay 15 and the command area. Please identify any life signs as we approach and update us real time. If there are any changes to life signs on board the station and notify us if there's any fluctuations in communication immediately versus versus at, after communications have been cut. If you notice a fluctuation, contact us. That'll let us know to stop, assess where we are, and determine if it's a localized phenomena or something that's taking place system-wide. Understandable. I will monitor everything as you have directed. Additionally, I will monitor your health and mental states as well during this traversal. 
So how stable is the life support on the space station right now? Do I have any indication whether or not we're going to be able to breathe and get over there? We have supplied several atmospheric repulsors or atmospheric suits for you in order to counteract any concerns that there may be on board. However, preliminary scans have shown that the station itself is still producing a, a breathable atmosphere. I think it's probably worth hooking up our umbilical to the space station just in case any of that power starts to fluctuate. This would work appropriately. Thankfully, your suits can last with a atmosphere for upwards of two hours. I like the sound of that, but I don't like the sound of being sucked out through my space station little tiny crack like a liquid through a straw. Yes, that would be concerning and not helpful in our search for the others. I've had better times on a Saturday. <laughs> when the previous team entered the spaceship, did they have to hack or cut through the docking bay doors or were they able to open them? It does appear that the starship is currently on lockdown. Is their starship still connected to a docking port? I am not I am not sure. The sensors are our preliminary scans have not been able to scan the starship once more. We shall know more upon arrival, I am certain. Very well. We've done this before, comrades. We simply have to breach and find our quarry. Once we're in range, please download as much information as you can, and including any override command codes for the station. I will do again. This station, as it is 4,000 years old, I am not entirely certain how much access I will be able to give you, as it is currently off the grid. However, I will do whatever I can to assist. When you're a supercomputer and you're dealing with an abacus, it may be foreign but its concept should be easy. That is the hope. I shall know more upon arrival. Unfortunately, I was not built into the original drones, so I do not have much information outside of what they have already given me. All right, then. Let's go. Okay. We may as well. It sounds much better than my last job. All I did was crush cans all day. It was soda pressing. Guys, why did I see that coming? So, <laughs> and we already got the face bomb. Perfect. You always have to get at least one oh. once permission. Perfect. As basically after this debriefing is given here, you guys exit out of the warp and you see basically what appears in the stream. You see what appears to be almost like a small little gateway opening up as the ship goes and appears into this Archelon section of the of the galaxy. Upon arrival, what you notice is huge, massive tear into the veil as this yellow energy is like pulsating outwards from this rip into the large, what looks almost as if it's a, a mirror, like there's a glass kind of protector between the two realms. On the other side of what you can see is what looks almost like a sepia tone version of our galaxy, like a planet that has various different buildings that appear to be just shadow figments of what they were. You also see massive creatures walking behind this mirror, but again, only as if it's a shadow of something, not the creature itself. More concerning is you see from this rift, large, like 
tendrils of made of uh, formed of a what looks to be a gas kind of wrapped in space wrapping around the station itself coating it as there's a large field that appears to be producing around the station itself Eli I need a tactical analysis of the situation is the spaceship the space shuttle coming at the, the space station is it coming out of the hole in the world or is it going into the world the hole from Analysis. It looks like it is currently in stasis. It does not appear to be moving forward nor backwards. I. Additionally, I am attempting to scan the star station itself. However, I cannot pierce this field that is wrapping it. Are we going to be able to move in there? Are we going to be able to connect us? Scanning. It does appear that our repulsor shields should work properly. However, I would need a manual pilot, as I am not entirely certain that autopilot would be able to get us through here. As as Eli is answering the question, Booth is already sitting and taking a seat in the pilot's chair and familiarizing himself with the controls. Perfect. I am giving access to you, Booth. It is good that we have a pilot then, since we did not know that until now. And Stitches yes. steps towards the main view screen, puts one hand on it with his giant view out in front of them, and says, Wow, this is both horrifying and breathtakingly beautiful. I wish my spousal unit were here to see it. Yes, I do agree with that sentiment. It does appear to be quite beautiful. But it does appear to be dangerous. I recommend caution as approaching. Agreed. Hmm. Bring us in on autopilot. Notify me when you need me to take over and I will do so. Perfect. And as you have requested, I will begin scanning the star station to download any schematics as soon as possible. Hopefully, once we get into the station's area field that is producing its protective barrier. Hopefully, by then, I should have everything easily scanned and operable for you. I type in, I bring up a pad on the control panel, and I say, authorization code, Gulf, Lima, Foxtrot, 11061947, Arturos, codename, Booth, taking command, on your mark. Command, given. It is now in your hand, Captain. And when we're ready to pilot, Perfect. I guess this is where we get to build the dice. Yes. Board. We get to do our first so roll. This, Don't kill us. So this calls for an ice cold pilot. Yes. So I will break out my ice cold D6. Ooh, nice. Good choice. Ooh, very pretty. I like this. Very nice. So yes, as you approach, the autopilot takes you in. The ship itself kind of fluctuates the moment you go into what... You know, this see-through, it's slightly opaque. It appears almost as if you're going into like a frosted glass opening. The ship vibrates violently as you see the warp drive like 
dims shortly, but then the shadow repulsors like fully provide a small little barrier for you as you go through. It does look like the autopilot kind of malfunctions and a bit of the Eli himself kind of stutters a little bit as some of the alerts come on your screen booth, but it does look like you're able to maintain control of the starship. Go ahead and make a piloting check for me, which in order to do, you start with a base number based on your finesse. And then you add any bonus dice that you get from your skill points in piloting. And then if you have any bonuses that you get from being a smuggler, which I don't remember if there are any, or if you get anything from Ace Pilot, if you have it as an expertise as well. Let's see here. Trick shots, Ace Pilot. Mm -hmm. I gain an auto hit. Perfect. So that 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 gives you a auto six that you just get to add to your thing. It doesn't get taken out of your pool at all. It's just an additional die that automatically gets counted. All right. And so I roll my seven die and look for five and six. Perfect. And that's two hits. Perfect. And then how many points do you have in your piloting? None. None. Really? I think it's, yeah, I think it's none pop up on the sheet. And unless I had skill points that I needed to distribute that I'm not aware of. Weird. I don't think I did. I... Sounds strange that I would build the <laughs> smuggler without any piloting. Then again, that might have been a complete oversight on my end. Let's see here. Play the uh, in space. There are no rules. Let me look at smuggler here. So smuggler should actually have one point in it in piloting. Okay. So let me roll that other die that I didn't roll. Yeah. I actually should have. Did not help me at no all. Worries. This does mean, since you have the point, that you actually get a pip that you can add to something. So if you have a four in any of your die results, you can turn that into a five. Ooh, okay. That gives me three six. Perfect. And then you had an auto hit die, right? I was including okay, the auto hit. To make sure. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so the three all together then. Yep. So yeah, it does feel almost all of a sudden less as if you're dry flying through space itself and you feel almost a pushback a drag on the station less as if you're flying through space and more as if you've just randomly gone underwater so thankfully with that three you do manage to properly guide this ship around so you do like duck and weave between some of the debris that appeared with this station as well you all do notice that there are several broken what looks like ships just floating endlessly in this little bubble as well. Do they all look 4,000 years old, or do they also appear to be the wrecks of ships that may have been sent here since it reappeared? Thankfully, most of it looks to be fairly old. It does look like there might have been like some unfortunate travelers going through this distant area that might have been impacted as this station arrived. But it doesn't look uh, as though other teams that were sent are scattered among this space debris. No, thankfully not. <laughs> No, it doesn't look like that. You don't see any other like high tech ships or anything like that. It appears to be a lot of like older, a lot of older style and designs of spaceships. Trevor, I have Shadow Realm expertise. Oh, do this? I do. Uh, Realms was one of my expertises, and I chose I chose Shadow and Arcane when I drew my character. Wonderful. So so I'm keeping an eye out on how this is moving about, right? Does what I'm seeing so far jive with what I understand the nature of the Shadow Realm to be? Yeah, it looks like you've actually basically entered into a Shadow Realm bubble. To shadow space, like, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, the moment you came into this field as well, you felt an overwhelming, like, 
presence of of energy kind of push into you but thankfully you're able to like negate that especially because you understand the shadow realm which is it's actually really great that as a magic casting this that's perfect (laughs) so yeah you definitely would have been hired for your expertise this is perfect but yeah so you can definitely tell that this appears to be the shadow realm especially because as you're flying through this area almost all true color has vanished and it becomes like just this pure sepia tone as you're driving through this bubble my Hawaiian shirt is no longer bright and colorful. <laughs> no, actually, yeah. So you even inside this starship, like the moment light pierces into the windows, all color just becomes like sepia toned. You got a little. Never mind. You can get it later. Schmutz <laughs> on your hands. Okay, so everything uh, seems to play into that expertise at this point, though. Nothing yeah. seems like this is this is normal in its abnormality. <laughs> yeah, it's normal and it's abnormality. Yeah, as far as the Shadow Realm goes, you can definitely tell that it is fairly on par with that. To the point where you actually hear a, I guess, almost what sounds like a whale's call. This, like, deep, almost song that kind of echoes throughout as you're driving it, even to the point where it slowly reverberates through the ship itself as you're flying. What do um, I think that'd be coming from? Well, it could be a multitude of different things. There are space whales that exist, but this seems to be more something that's actually coming from the realm itself. So it could be any form of monstrosities that exist within the Shadow Realm. Thankfully, most of the time, those creatures don't really manifest, at least from what you know. Okay. However, it would it's advised to remain cautious and aware of your surroundings, as some Shadow creatures can pull themselves and manifest, especially since we're currently in an unknown state of, yes, this is the shadow realm, but it doesn't typically exist outside of its own realm. He's up for grabs right now. (laughs) Cool. Stitches goes over to any of our computing stations available on the ship. And I would like to use analysis with the ship sensors to try to determine if there is an appropriate docking space for us to be able to join, to merge with this other ship. Perfect. Yeah. So you, you can actually make an analysis check for me. Fantastic. Now I get to play with the dice mechanic. And yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So analysis is off mentality. Yes. And you're doing combat medic. So I should, I believe you should have a minimum of one skill point in analysis. I have one skill point plus okay, six perfect. mentality is seven dice. The plus one skill point actually gives a pip that you add. Uh, so you don't okay. roll with an additional bonus die until you have two or more. So yeah, you would roll with your base six dice if you just have mentality, and then you would have a pip that you could add to make a four into a five or a two into a three okay. in case you critically fail. <laughs> you, now, you don't want that. I do also have awareness, which adds one auto hit die on insight and observation. Never mind. This is an observation. This is analysis. Cool. Never mind. I'll let you do an, an observation if you'd like, but observation would use judgment, I believe, instead nope. of mentality. I'll stick with mentality. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> and as he's plugging into this terminal and typing away, he's, it is amazing the difference in technology over the years. Look at all those derelict husks out there. Then we have this fantastic piece of machinery that we are in now. I have two fives and a six. Wow. And then, and even beings such as myself, and he turns right towards his companions. But still, the dry erase board remains the most remarkable invention. Oh my gosh. Okay, you finally got a facepalm out of me. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) 
Boost just like, why did I hire this guy again? <laughs> Booth shakes his head and he looks out the window as we're passing through and he says, every one of those ships was to someone the most beautiful thing they'd ever seen. They are left to the stars, but their memories are important to someone. How poetic. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> Anybody watching will notice that he is rubbing his armband as he says oh. those words. And he glances, I miss her too. Wow, lots of depth already. <laughs> Just in one emotion. We're getting closer to the station as that is being said. I, You do see that one of these like gaseous shadow tendrils slowly starts rotating and moving in your direction. So I do need another piloting check if you don't mind, Captain. Not at all. Is it just me, or is that actively trying to get us? Yeah, Booth, we don't want to be in there. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we did you shade and sweet water.